one. Welcome to the podcast. Welcome to everything you need to know about music. Where tonight I, Jason, am doing the 100th episode of everything you need to know about music with two of my favorite, very favorite people. Say what's up, Mikey. What's up, Jason? And his brother, Kevin. Say what's up, Kev. Hello, Jason. Hello, listeners. And I'm glad you mentioned the 100 because I wasn't sure if you were going to mention that this is yeah, the 100th this, episode. This is the 100th. Congratulations yeah, on doing 100. It's been, it's been really fun. It's been a lot of, a lot of, uh, a lot of learning and a lot of interesting um, perspectives from a lot of people who have helped contribute. So to all of them, including you guys, I say thank you very much. That's really cool. Do you, do you know how many people that you've had on? How many different people you've had on? Um, I don't, but when I counted... Around eighty or so, it was a dozen. So I'm going to say say twelve to fifteen contributing yeah, people. That yeah, that sounds all right. That's great, yeah. awesome. Yeah. So tonight for our one hundredth episode, Kevin has chosen the topic. And do you want to do you want to tell us what the topic is? Because I want to have you title it right exactly what you think this is. All right, my my working title was unsung guitar heroes, and I'll go through that because I'm not really sure it's exact title what it should be. Okay. But something along those lines. Okay. And why? Why do you say that? Uh, because I think what we're picking tonight are guitarists that we feel are underrated. Yeah. And I'll get into why and and, and what the rating uh, that, that I found and what we're basing this off of. Okay. Is. All right. So before we get to those guitarists, which I think is so appropriate for the 100th episode, because this is going to be a really interesting and fun episode to do, but I, I don't know rock music without guitarists, and I, I started as a guitarist, and I know you're a guitarist. I know, mm-hmm. Mike, you have appreciation for guitar. Sure do. So this is going to be a really good episode to do. But before we get there, two things I want to do. Number one, I want to do a mailbag. Uh, we have a great email that was sent to us from a listener that uh, responded to the episode that we did on rockers who were hard in the 60s and 70s that went soft. Okay, in the 80s? In the 80s, right. And his perspective as to why it happens was really interesting, and I want to read it to you. And different than what what we brought up. We did not mention this at all. Okay, okay, And then after doing some of uh, the research as to what this person had said, I think he brings up a very valid point. Mm-hmm. All right, so All I right. want to share this with you. All right. Uh, this is from Doug G. Doug G. Doug G. And this is what Doug wrote. The change from soft to hard happened when guitar solos left rock music. Kids want to be rappers, not guitar players now. The guitar solo was cool and people rocked out to them. No longer. Hair metal bands were the last of this generation. Shreddy guitar soloists. Even grunge had some solos. But grunge killed hair bands and, the, and then started to kill off the classic rock bands. Then rap is what kids were listening to in the early 90s. And the new rockers didn't use guitars as a featured instrument. No more guitar solos. No more hard rock. Pull up the chart done a few years ago that lists all the songs that had guitar solos. Sorry this is long. (laughs) Thanks for listening. Loved this show. Now, two things. One, I actually did pull up the chart that this person is referring to, and there is a chart of guitar solos in songs, and the height is 1974. Wait, what? Yes. So they count. And And then the second thing is the length of the guitar solo. Right. And again, the height was in the 70s. So... I think this person brings up a very good point, which actually runs a bit parallel to what we're going to talk about tonight, which is 
guitar solos were such a big deal in the late 60s, all through the 70s, a bit into the 80s as well with some yep. of the hair bands like this person brought up. And as they got shorter and even more rare, rock did change. It went away. No one really cares about hearing a guitar solo these days. Well, and I think, you know, it, it's an awesome point. And yeah. I, I really like the way that Doug laid it out. Um, and it, you know, we had talked about like synthesizer also kind of taking over. Yeah. But yeah, he's definitely, he's, he's definitely right. The only, you know, one of the guitar solos I can remember just off the top of my head in the early eighties would be Eddie Van Halen oh, sure. on, um, no, on beat it by Michael yep. Jackson. Right. Yep. yep. Um, but it's rare. It, yeah. And, and, it, it and, and when you rare. look at this chart and I will send it to you and I will also put a link on the website so everybody can see it. Um, it's still there. There are still guitar solos. But dramatically, I mean, it falls off like a cliff that just isn't in songs. So somebody took all the songs, and I don't know if it was a Billboard, like all the Billboard songs, or if it was it was every song released. But they just there's no guitar solos. That's great. They just and went away. I think he has a great point. And one of the guitarists I looked into, yeah, who was amazing, he is huge with guitar solos, and he said people don't remember them. Wow. They remember the rhythm and the melodies. Yeah. But not the guitar solos. Yeah. Which is not like me. Like, so. Right. Nor me. But okay. so he said but, non music. But, but in general. Okay. Yeah. Right. Oh, yeah. Right. Right. I think I can sing most of the guitar solos in my head to songs that I love. But I know that most people, my wife included, couldn't do that. Yeah. Like, she, she would, she right. looks at me like I'm like silly to be singing over the guitar solos. But I know them so well. They're part of the song. It's almost lyrical to me. Well, and yep. it's just like, you know, we talked about in this, again, those last podcast we did was the, the hard rockers going soft. You know, Heart, Heart was who we used for the first one. They never had a number one hit right. in the 70s, even though they had, had all that great rock and roll. Right. But as they got more poppy, then that's that's when they started making number ones. Yeah. So, yeah, it doesn't surprise me that most people don't remember the guitar solo, and that that's a shame. It's it, it, it's dying art. Yeah. And, so yeah, this person point. basically makes the correlation, no guitar solos, no more hard rock. And I like that. I, I don't yep. know if that's exactly accurate because I think we brought up some good points in that episode about why certain bands changed their sound and what it was. But I, I think there's some truth to that. A contributing factor. Yeah. Definitely, without doubt. definitely. All right. So let's move on. Let's now go to This Is My Jam where we will discuss uh, the songs that we're listening to now and the things that are kind of making us happy as we drive along and go throughout our day. Mikey, you want to go first? Sure. Okay, cool. So speaking of guitar solos, <laughs> okay, this song, um, I just got my Spotify wrapped for 2023, right? The right. Top, top songs I listened to in 2023. Right. This was high up there. Uh, and this band slash guitarist of the band almost made my list, but um, just not enough, not enough to get on the list, but... I just want to play this song because it's okay. fantastic, especially the guitar solo, which I will start with. Oh, wow. Okay, cool. Smashing Pumpkins. Oh, good Smashing job, Kev. Pumpkins. Hold on one second. I can think of the song though. Did you get the Smashing Pumpkins because of the tone? Yeah. It's not today. 
No, I don't know it. What is it? So it's a it's a may, maybe a little deeper cut of okay. uh, of Smashing Pumpkins, but that is Rhinoceros. No, I don't know it. Oh, uh, okay. And Billy Corrigan. Mm-hmm. I looked at the top. 125 of one of these lists. Right. He was nowhere to be found. Okay. And I do think he's an underappreciated guitarist, even though the Smashing Pumpkins were very successful and he has a, you know, unique I, voice and great composer. He never really got his due for his guitar skills. I fully agree with you. And I think some of the comments I'm going to make about the list apply to him and many others like him and why they don't make the list. I actually have more comments as to why people didn't make the list and certain ones that didn't mm-hmm. than I have a problem with where they were listed on the list. So yeah, I agree with you. All right. Good one. What's the name? Rhinoceros? Rhinoceros. Rhinoceros. What, what okay. album was that on? That is on, um, it is on Gish. 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 Which was, Gish was the one before Siamese Dream, right? Correct. Okay, cool. All right, Kev, you want to go next? Yes, I will go next. So gentlemen... This is my jam. Ooh, I know it. Yes. Yep. Great song. What is it? This is Hall & Oates. Correct. Why is this your jam? What's the name of the song? Uh. Say it ain't so. Say it ain't so? Yeah. Say, Say it, it isn't, isn't so. so. Say it isn't they so. They were proper. Oh, okay. Right. <laughs> Let it play for yeah. a sec. I really do love these guys. That, that's Weezer, say it ain't so, yeah. There you go. Oh. There's so many of their songs that I forgot. Right. I know I know they're there, but I don't listen to them enough. All right, why, why is this your jam? All right, so Say It Isn't So, it was a new track on Hollow Notes' first greatest hit album, which was called Rock and Soul Part One. Okay. Uh, that was released in late 1983, and an eight-year-old me in 1984, I would get that record on cassette. Oh wow! Put it in the old Sony Walkman, and you know, I played it incessantly. Now, as a connoisseur of yacht rock, as you guys know, I am. It is with heavy heart that I have to play this song tonight. Oh no! As I'm sure uh, many in your listener universe know by now, and for those that don't, I'm very sad to report that Hall and Oates are clearly officially broken up. Yeah, I saw the news on that. Yep. So yeah. shame. Yeah, I mean, just before Thanksgiving, Daryl Hall filed a, um, a restraining order. So <laughs> not just a lawsuit, but a restraining order against his longtime musical partner, John Oates. And like when you hear a restraining order, don't you think the worst? Yeah, well, absolutely. Like yeah. like violence even, right? <laughs> like, like like Hall was harassed and or battered yes. by, by John Oates. Yes. But uh, it turns out it was filed in Nashville and it's not an act of physical violence that Hall was seeking relief from but intellectual violence as he accused Oates of surreptitiously plotting to sell half of his share of white Oak, oh, excuse me, whole Oates enterprises. I love that name by the way, whole yeah, Oates, me too. Yeah. which is the name of their first album and to do it without Hall's consent. Oh, no kidding. Wow. I didn't know that was the reason that that is the so reason. So is this another um, example of like some artists that are just selling their catalogs? Trying to sell their catalogs. Okay. Right? Oh, and, and he and thought he was going to sell his half. He was going to sell his oh. half and they're, oh. they're 50-50 okay. partners. Okay, too. got it, got it, got it. So Hall said it was the ultimate partnership betrayal and as a result, Hall has claimed that the bad faith conduct that Oates has created a tremendous upheaval, harm, and difficulty in my life, not to mention unnecessary expense and burden. Wow. So Oates is denying the charges. We'll have to see what the courts ultimately say. 
but it is clear that Daryl has decided that he can't go for that. No can do. (laughs) And here's how I'm kind of feeling about this. You know, like when a married couple uh, with grown adult kids split up and sometimes the adult children like had no idea. And then they reflect, they're like, wow, it's like mom and dad like really didn't love each (laughs) other. Yeah. And, And this is what happened. So, this is where I am right now, Jason. It's like a part of my childhood. Yeah. It was all a lie. Yeah. So thus the requiem for, uh, for Hollow Notes partnership. Let me just um, say that, again, a sad day in the world of Yacht Rock. Very sad. So let me, let me just leave you with one little last uh, commentary here. Go ahead. By Hall and Notes themselves. This is how I feel about this whole thing. She's gone. She's gone. <laughs> the end of an era could there be a reconciliation could there be a, a, a comeback at some point you never know all depends on money i guess i guess point. that's so true all right my turn mike you had brought up the spotify wrapped list that goes out what second week of december first week of december yeah, something, something like, like that. that yeah um so i was able to get it for the podcast Okay. They send it to me of all the people who listened to stuff, just stuff on Spotify for the Everything You Need to Know About Music podcast. And the number one episode listened to this year was what? Taylor Swift. No. Or was that was that this year? No. Just was that last year? That was last year. Okay. Yeah, Rock. No. Mm, I'm stumped. Billie Eilish? I will was say I no? did not know. No, I don't check the Spotify numbers that frequently just because... I don't have Spotify. I, I use Apple Music. You're an Apple guy. I'm an Apple guy, so I don't use it. But I was shocked, and I think you will be too, to know that the most listened to episode was One Hit Wonders. Really? Yeah. Wow. One Hit Wonders, which wants me to say to you guys, we need to do another round of that. All right, so my This Is My Jam is going to be this for this week. This is not a One Hit Wonder, but if I'm honest, this was the song that I listened to the most over the past week. Good tip. Yeah. Mikey, do you know who this is? If it's kind I of in your wheelhouse a bit. Time in a I know the song. Early 70s. First thing right, early 70s? 1972. I don't know if I can tell you the artist. This is Time in a Bottle by Jim Croce. Okay. The great and Jim Croce. The great, yes. And I'm using this a bit, much in the same way that you used your song, because he, I think, is a fantastic guitarist, lyricist, songwriter, and he didn't make the list either. Right. So if some of the people that we're going to talk about made the list, right. then I am shocked that he didn't. Yeah. So. Good point. Love this song. All right. And with that said, Kevin, I'm going to hand it over to you, and let's just get the vitriolic, saddened, anger-filled attitude that I have for this and bring us into underrated guitarists. So you, you are very yeah, fired up this, about this. This was, this was tough for me. This one was the toughest episode for me to actually gather my notes uh, and ideas for because while going through this, I felt like I was doing a disservice or leaving out so many people that I truly regard like as pioneers or... Uh, just uh, you know, masters in this craft, and it was difficult for me. Very well, difficult. Well, and there's been a lot of guitarists sure. throughout the years, right? So, yeah, my working title for this podcast was "Unsung Guitar Heroes," okay. which I'm probably using that a little more tongue in cheek than anything, because I recognize like the three guys that I'm going to do tonight. They're all very well known quantities. It's not like 
I'm pulling some, you know, guitar virtuoso that okay, good, only, me too. Only those hardcore yeah, shredders okay. and okay. like 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 the guys that read and and uh, Guitar Player Magazine, you know, they would be the only ones to be able to pick these guys out of a guitarist lineup, right? But I was inspired by this uh, for one guy in particular who I thought is just vastly underrated for his guitar prowess. And then when I pulled up the latest Rolling Stone top 250 guitarists of all time, which they just published that in October of this year, October of 23, I was appalled to see the, the placement of not just the guy that, that gave me the, the inspiration for this podcast, but also the two other guys that I picked. Okay. Here's the thing. These first off, first off, oh, and I'm going to do this to you all night. So I would like to apologize now to both of you if I insult you or if I like step over you or if I just interrupt you. And I'm because first off, why 250, 250? What, what what is that now? You know what, what what happened to like the 100 and the 500? They always do. Why are we say, going 250 now? I, I, I like I don't know. Why do if, we need that? If two if if 500 was just too daunting a number, 100 was the last one that they've done, and I think there was a 2003 edition and a 2011 edition, okay. which I didn't even pay attention to because this one's the newest. Right. Okay. I'm guessing that you know th- their ability to do a whole f- list of 500 guitarists, I think, was probably just a little too much. Okay. So they decide, hey, we need more than 100. Um, you know, as as rock has continued to grow throughout the years, but we're not going all the way to 500, so we're going to split it. Okay. Well, I can tell you one thing. I did see a snippet of the 2003, and one of my guys went down 40 spots. Wow. Question. Number one I wrote up here is, what changed from the previous list to this list? Right. Now, not just my people. Obviously, stuff's going to get jockeyed around. But what causes the change? Because it wasn't new guitarists that replaced this guy. Right, okay. Do Do you know one of the big things? What? In the past, these lists of the guitarists have only been, they've only pulled people that are in the music industry that are actual musicians this time okay, they okay. used in addition to the musicians they also used their um staff so so their writing staff you know the music journalists and i okay. think other music journalists okay i think that's part of the reason that you get something a little different than we got you know can in, can in we one. talk about the list now or do you want to do it at, what, what how do you want to do it let me so let me just say otherwise these lists they're so subjective right yeah and right. they're, they're, yeah. they're designed to do that they're designed to inflame us like obviously you can see we're already getting a little <laughs> heated and and maybe even prompt some of us to you know discuss this via a podcast do you think they're, do you think they're trying to purposefully say all right look we're, we're doing this to create controversy we're doing this for everybody to go no this is total crap that's horse you know just just to be to make you uh, take the other side. Well, I, is there a bit of that again? Because then no, I understand. Nobody's always going to agree, right? On on a list, especially a list such as this. However, of course, in this day and age, when you have so many other outlets to look at with your eyeballs, right? right, right. It's not. This is not thirty years ago when magazines were king, right? And you had a yep. couple channels on TV and a, and a few cable channels. You have so many different outlets that you can look at via the internet, via YouTube, all those sorts of things. So Rolling Stone, I think, is trying to maintain relevance. Okay. And by having something that is inflammatory that some people are going to get up in arms about, that gets them more press, yeah, okay. more people are going to sell. I think that plays into it. Here's just one quick thought, though. For me, as to how far I think they are off and, and what really infl- inflamed me a lot, <laughs> Rolling Stone picked Joni Mitchell as the ninth best guitarist of all time. I have to take unbelievable issue with that. Here's the thing. I'm not slighting Joni as a musician. I am. Musician. I am. Well, as a musician, though. I am. You don't think she's, she's one of the best musicians? Okay, okay, if you're going to say that she's nine, uh, okay? She's nine. Dwayne Allman is 
worse of a guitarist yeah. than her. So wait, 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 wait. I mean, think of how many people. Keith Richards. How many people? We had Stevie Ray Vaughan. All of these are worst right. guitarists. That's what a ranking system means. So then, what are you saying? It, are you saying it's because of her? Uh, songwriting ability? Are you saying it's because she did anything that was epically different than all these? No, what are you saying? How can you say that? If, if if she were number nine in the songwriting list, okay, I get it. I'm with you. I get it. Fine. That's but someone's opinion. Do you like? I can never think of myself going. All right, I'm in the mood for a good guitar jam. You know what I'm putting on? Some big yellow taxi. <laughs> right, exactly. Now the tuning that she did with guitars. And some of that folky, different um, instrumentation with the sure. very cool. But so did Bob Dylan. So did Jim Croce. So did so many of those people of that era that played the guitar a little bit differently and tuned it a little differently and made it sound a little more folky and funky. Right. They're not on the list. She's got some modal stuff on on I don't know how you pronounce it. Hijira, uh, which is a great album. And Coyote okay. is, is the song they talked about in that. It's a great song. But I don't think she does not belong in the pantheon of the greatest guitar players of all time. If she made the list, I would have been surprised. Right. But I would have been okay with it because of who she is. But that high of the ranking? Right. I couldn't I couldn't believe that. So interestingly enough, the guy I'm that, not picking on her. I'm just saying no, no, no. when when I think of guitarists, I think of players. I think right. of people that can play that instrument with a high level of skill. And whether, regardless of the genre of music that they represent, I consider them players. They have to to know that instrument better than others. I don't know if she does that. No. I don't think she does that. I mean, certainly not the ninth, you know, best of 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 all time. And, and then I thought specific to her. And by the way, I'm not picking on her. There's others that make the same um, surprise to me. And then I thought, well, maybe it was what she just stood for with an acoustic guitar. Mm -hmm. Right? Maybe that's just what she represented. Well, then where's Bruce Springsteen with his Telecaster? Where's some of these people that are guitar players? Now, they're not players in the sense that they are like uh, virtuosos, but right. they are guitarists. Sure. So I'm, I'm shocked to see some of these people. I think this is what Rolling Stone was going okay, for. Okay, well, then they, they, they succeeded. They wanted this sort of discourse. But to show that, like, this is not some sort of obscure activity that we're doing. To me, like, the only criteria was you can't pick Jimi Hendrix because he's undisputably number one. Oh, okay. Let's start there. Okay. okay. He's number one on the list. And I think that Rolling Stone did a great job going, all right, clearly we're going to give it to him. No one's going to have a problem with that. Yeah. Right? He's not my favorite. I don't particularly love his music. Do I appreciate what he did for the guitar? How a massively different shift everything came after him was he deserves number one doesn't mean he's my personal favorite yeah but yeah, he deserves agreed. number one agreed okay i got no problem with that but then you're gonna say number two is chuck berry now you and i love chuck berry love chuck it berry. was the only thing we agreed on on our mount rushmore of the 50s that the, is correct the, uh, uh, podcast that, that, that correct. we did and i love him but here's what you're now saying Jimi hendrix is number one okay number two is chuck berry chuck berry did not have anywhere near the skill or the chops that Jimi hendrix did but so you're saying something different. So now you're saying, well, he what he meant to music, what 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 he did for the guitar, what he did for guitar sound. What are you saying? What what changed from someone who was so fantastically talented, almost like shockingly gifted, right, with what he could do with a left-handed Stratocaster, right, to then going Chuck Berry's chops weren't nowhere near as um, high level of skill. So you're saying, okay, now the thing is different. And then three is Jimmy Page. Now you're like, well, wait a second. Now I'm confused. But right? let, me, let me ask you this, because you guys know way more about the history than I do. But if I give like a running analogy, Jim Ryan is regarded as one of the best runners of all time. Like okay. He would be on the Mount Rushmore of running, probably. Right. 
yet high schoolers break his record every year now. Is there some of that? Like he was in a different era and he he created something new that the world had never seen. I see what you're saying. So you're saying for the, let's say, late 50s, right. what he did was so dramatically changing yes he deserves to be cl- he deserves to be way up on the list i mean i'm just but asking two? the question but right two i, I love the well, man you know this but two it, it it's clear that the guitar evolved you know from chuck to jimmy even though it was only about a 10-year period right sure. however there's a lot of older um blues guitarists that are on this list yeah that were doing it before chuck that i think have better chops than chuck does me too okay, okay. So, Lo- so so then it says Chuck. so then it says it's more than just the guitar, right? That's I mean when you when you put Joni Mitchell at nine, when you <laughs> okay. put Chuck Berry at two, I think you're saying it's more than just okay. You know, and the that's guitar. why I'm and trying then, to then understand. Then I don't know if the list is, is well named at that point. Right, right, exactly, exactly. Best guitarists of all times. So to use your running analogy, did he do more for the sport of running, or was he the best runner? I mean, you know what I mean? Right. He was the first uh, you know American to break four minutes in the mile. But now, like I said, high school kids do it every year. That's crazy. By the way, I just wrote, I just read my notes. Do you want to give the email address out to everybody so that they can? <laughs> so they, I do, I do actually. Us. That's yes, that's, that's perfectly fine. And, and your comments and suggestions or critiques of not only the things that we say, but the list itself. So it's everything music podcast at gmail.com. And please email us. We'd love to hear what your, uh, what your thoughts are. We do indeed. Number 77, Willie Nelson. Willie plays three chords on a guitar that's beaten to hell with a hole in it called Trigger, and it's phenomenal, but he's not a guitarist. You are, he, get, you are getting into am it. Am I right? You are. Is that fair? Absolutely. Okay, so he's 77, Joni's nine? Seven. Nine. nine. Speaking of number seven, Nile Rodgers. Now, I love funk music, and right. I love Nile Rodgers, and he is amazing at the, at the genre, but seven? Seven. <laughs> So what I wonder if Rolling Stone would push back, it seems like you and I at least are in the same mindset that technical proficiency at the guitar is what, you know, it should be weighted higher than anything else, right? I think so. That I mean, that that's how I would do it. And it seems like they, and I think most guitar lists have always done it. First of all, the one thing about Jimmy, I don't think you're ever going to find a list of guitarists where Jimmy's not number one. Agreed. So it, it's like the Beatles, yep. right? Yep. We all agree he's, he's number one. By the way, three of the four Beatles made this list. Three of three the four. Of yeah. Wow. Paul made it, who's a bass player, as a guitarist. Right. So did John, so did George. That's pretty cool. Anyway, continue. I'm sorry. Just wanted to say that. Well, I'm not going to debate that one with you. <laughs> yeah, no. That might be another podcast. It's <laughs> whether or not those guys, you know, one of them, maybe. But anyways, so again, highly subjective. That's what we're dealing with here. So I, our, our, the whole thing now is for us to pick two or three guitarists. Right go through why we think they are underrated and it, now on this list. And I think my first guy is underrated just in general, even though he's, he's, he's the highest person on this list that I have in my three folks tonight. So I don't know if you want me to start or if you want to start. I, I want to say a few more things about the list. Go ahead. Only, I want to get all the anger out before we get into like some of the fun stuff. All right. Got it. All right. I would like to mention a few people that did not make the list that was shocking to me. Number one, George Benson did not make the list. Wait, when I no, think, that, that can't be right. He's not on the list. Are you sure? Look at the list I have in front of me. He's not on the list. I thought for sure he was on there. Nope. Not on the list. Well, that's, that's insane. Now, that's insane. when you want to talk about jazz chops with R&B and he sings the notes that he plays, I... I so I, wild. I, I, I suggest that anyone try to do that. It's incredibly hard. Well, and I would compare him with Larry Carlton 
who Larry Carlton did a lot of guitar work for Steely Dan. Yep. That same jazz vein. I, I think they're very similar in their style. Larry was like low 100s, like 115 or something along those lines. George, but that that is, ins- if he was okay. left off, because I, I, I thought I saw no. him on there, but I guess not. No, he's not on the list. Crazy. Andy Summers, who plays with the police, is number 250. Okay. He's an unbelievable guitarist. You're saying to me that everyone on this list is better than Andy Summers. There's half this list that, that isn't, in right. my opinion. That's Okay, that's the other thing. Uh, Al Di Miola, I don't know if you know who that is. Uh, he was an Italian-American uh, classical guitarist. He didn't make the list. Peter Frampton doesn't make the list. That's crazy. Okay. Which is insane to me. Uh, Tommy Emmanuel, he's fantastic. He didn't make the list. Uh, Antonio Carlos Jobim, if you like um, uh, Brazilian music, he didn't make the list. Tom Schultz from Boston. Tom Schultz from Boston, that sound, that tone, which is one of the things I want to talk about tonight is yep. guitar tone, has been copied by so many people he doesn't even make the list. These are the kinds of things, if you're going to put a list of guitarists together, to not include these guys is a sin. Absolute sin. Okay. That's all I wanted to say about that. Huge misses for sure. All right. All right, guys. I'm going to play three songs for my guitarist or try to keep it to three songs. Here is the opener from my first selection. Let me know if you guys can spot this one. Yeah. It would be uh, wrong of you to not include him. Yeah. So who who is this, Jason? This is your buddy. This is Jerry Garcia. Yeah. From the Grateful Dead. It's his tone. I know his tone. It's distinct. Yeah. Right? I told you know, I'm actually in, very interested to hear what you have to say about this because I know who he is and I know what you've taught me about them a little bit. Mm-hmm. I don't know much about his guitar playing prowess other than the following thing I'm going to mention to you. When I learned modes mm-hmm. in uh, guitar uh, um, technique, his mode is this Mixolydian mode, which apparently is called now the Jerry Garcia mode. And I didn't know that he was that, um, uh, not stuck, but that like, that was that comfortable in, in that, that mode. He has a certain tone, a certain sound, a certain like way that he plays. And I guess it's very much in that Mixolydian mode. Yeah. And, and, and again, you are, you are much more technically proficient than me on the, um, on the different modes and, and just, and just the theory, yeah, the theory of, yeah. of, of music. Right? A, yeah. I know what Mixolydian, I mean, I've heard Mixolydian and I know there's, like Ionian is Ionian yep. one. Yep. Um, I'm going to talk a little bit about some of those talking, okay, as we get into it. Yeah. Thank, thank yeah. you. Okay. <laughs> for getting into that. Yep. But yes, that's Jerry Garcia. Um, he is the, the lead singer and the lead guitarist for the Grateful Dead. One of my favorite bands, not my favorite, but if not top three, you said right, top three for sure. Yeah. Might be my second favorite band of all time. Now, one thing that separates Jerry from most other guitarists and maybe most of the axmen we're going to talk about tonight is that his best recorded stuff is live. So this song, this was Althea. That was the name of the song. Okay. Recorded live at the Nassau Coliseum in Long Island in 1981. So the Grateful Dead, they're of course famous for touring the country and the throngs of the deadheads who follow them. It's a festival like atmosphere. And as I mentioned in the Grateful Dead podcast, Jason, where I tried to get you to like the Grateful Dead by playing, by playing the covers, the covers that they did and show all their, their roots of rock that they come from. Yeah, I was, I, I, and I was lucky enough to to attend one show that was Three River Stadium in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, in June of '95, and then Jerry would perish just two short months later. Yeah, I remember you said that. Yeah. So we're going to ease into Jerry with a bluesy little number. 
Let me cut to the solo so you can get a bit of an introduction into Jerry's sound. This bendy, it's got some good range. Yeah, yeah. It's a good pace. I like it. Yeah, it's really relaxed. Yep. It's really easy, isn't it? So who's, who's playing rhythm guitar? Was there, was there another rhythm guitar? Yeah, so Bob, Bob Weir was okay, playing okay. guitar. All right. um, Bob did a little bit of soloing, too. He was, you know, he's kind of the second fiddle right. in the dead. Um, a good guitarist as well. I can't remember if he's on the list. Probably not. And didn't you say they both they kind of shared uh, singing, right? They shared, yeah, yeah. Okay. They, they would go back and forth with singing. Oh, okay, okay. They both had good solo careers, too. So they would play a lot of their solo stuff uh, together oh, really? at the shows as well. So that's the, the name of this song? Althea. Okay. I remember you said, and that's one of their more popular songs, right? It's one of the later songs from them. Uh, It's from the album Go to Heaven, which was 1980, I think. Okay. So one of the newer ones, it's bluesy. The guy that plays it great is your your wife's boyfriend, John Mayer. It's probably one of his favorites that he did with with Dead & Company. Right. So he's really, I think he's made it more popular. She was very upset about him making the list so low, but at least he made the list. He he did make the list though, you're right. Yeah. So, and I'll, I'll get... As I go through Jerry's, you know, his other two songs, we'll go up in difficulty oh, okay. in terms of okay. you know, his prowess with that. But one thing, you know, Carlos Santana said of Jerry's playing, he played blues, but mixed it with bluegrass and Ravi Shankar. Oh, wow. He, and he also had a little country and Spanish in there, too. So he draws from a lot of roots. So Jerry grew up playing bluegrass music uh, and folk and old time. Do you know what old time is, Jason? I would think no. I look at old times like ragtime. It it no. It's more like a subset of folk that is very oh. like um, like square dancing and clogging and, oh, and, okay. and and that sort of stuff. Okay. So let me show you. This is this is just quick snippets here uh, of Jerry with his bluegrass stuff. This is called the hobo uh, the hobo song with the band that he had a little subsection band in the early seventies called the old old and in the way. Okay. Wow, that's Jerry shredding on banjo. I'm I'm uh, uh, really impressed with people that can play the banjo. Yep. I really am. Wild. Yeah. So this kind of gives you a little bit of insight as to how he got some of the playing they did. And that's him singing too. But wow. do you know who like one of the greatest banjo players in the world is right now? No. Famous comedian. Oh, Steve, Steve Martin. Martin. We Steve talked Mar- about this. Yeah, We Steve did talk Martin. about this on a previous yeah, yeah, podcast, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, One of the greatest. Yeah, he's fantastic. Um, unbelievable. Jerry was also a big pedal steel player, uh, pedal steel guitar player. Okay. I'm sure you'll know this song. Yeah. That's Jerry on pedal steel. Is it really? Absolutely. This is Crosby, Stills, Nash & Young, though, right? Crosby, Stills, Nash yeah, & okay. Young. Wow. I didn't know he was playing the pedal steel. Yep. No kidding. So that's Teach Your Children yeah. from the 1970 album Deja Vu by Crosby, Stills, Nash & Young. So absolutely, the pedal steel guitar was um, was done by Jerry. Wow. For for your listeners that don't know what a pedal steel is, it's kind of like a cross between a piano or like a keyboard and you know a guitar. It sits horizontal, right. the neck does, and then they're able to slide real easy on it. And Have you ever, you ever you seen that, that Mikey? I think so, yeah. It's basically like if you were to take the neck of a guitar and get rid of the body part and just have the like the neck, a very long neck, and they tune the strings to play a chord, right. so then you just kind of slide yes, I have seen the that. glass or a, or a piece of plastic or whatever they use as the slide up and down to make the chords, but just that 
tone that comes from it is is real. It's almost like a blend of like a guitar and a harmonica in a way. Sure. Must have a code. We go back so we can hear it one more time. Yeah. That you can. So that's that pedal steel. That yeah. One. I love it. Yeah, it's pretty cool. It's quintessential country and you know uh, roots. Um, do you know what Jerry asked for for payment by appearing on that on that song? <laughs> no, but I'm sure it's going to be great. <laughs> he wanted vocal harmony lessons for him and his Grateful Dead bandmates because the album they were working on at the time was called Working Man's Dead, and they were doing a lot of harmonies no on there. No way. Well, if you're wow. going to get harmony training from anyone, who, that, who else to do it? Right? That's the band to do it. Wow. So, so I wanted to show you guys kind of a... a, a you know, the background that he has a rich history with string instruments and it certainly influences playing. Where's Garcia on this list? He is number 34. Okay. So he's pretty decently he, up there. He's pretty high to me. He is easily top 10 and personally for me. That's fine. Listen, um, listen, and, this and, is and, other, we'll keep playing. This is the other thing that I was going to say. This list almost is like, if I were to ask you, what's your favorite appetizer? And, right, right. And you say mozzarella sticks and I go, no wrong. It's right, it's right. shrimp or, cocktail. Who, like, who's the best looking model? Right. <laughs> right yeah. I mean, it's it's so much subjective. It's, it is. It's it's not fair to be like, no, this is this is seven and this is eight. It's too hard to do it that way. But I do like what you said, and I didn't know that it was people. A lot of people that voted that are in the industry, and then their staff. So I'm guessing it's you know tons and tons of submissions that they just uh, put in quantity of most votes to least votes. But I'm still shocked at the outcome. Yep. All right. Let's do the next one. Okay name of this song is Dark Star. This one was recorded uh, in, in Venita, Oregon on August 27th, 1972 as part of the Grateful Dead. Okay. So he's going to be the high guitar. Yeah, because that's, that's with the bass, right? Yep. Then you'll hear some other... kind of bendy Easy, bend, yeah it, big things for him were arpeggios which okay. as you know i love arpeggios I know, I know you do triplets okay and then chromatics he did a lot of chromatic work too yeah just going right up the neck up yep. and down so you know another thing that i think that 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 whole part of his style i think is what makes him so great and so distinct and again gives you just that 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 jerry tone so let's move forward to the solo here and so you can hear a little bit more by the way, I know how, how you love how long the Grateful Dead songs are. This one is 31 minutes. 31? <laughs> wow, they cut it short. I, I seriously would know his tone. I, I really would. You could pick him out of a lineup. Smooth is the word, you know? Relaxed, yeah. smooth. Yeah. It's very jazzy. Yeah. yeah. This is the, this is what I'm talking about with this Mixolydian mode. So these modes were basically meant to be, and, and, and Miles Davis is such a pioneer of this for jazz. Instead of saying, all right, look, we're going to play the notes in the chord that we're playing. We're going to pick a mode and stay in that mode regardless. So anywhere that he goes, any of the notes that are inside of that mode, he's correct. Right. 
and that's what gives him the freedom to just stay in these long periods of freestyling and just coming up with improvisational movements. As long as he's within that mode, he's always correct, and it always sounds good. There you this go. This is really neat. It's very jazzy. It's very cool. So that's Dark Star. Okay. We're going to do one final tune from Jerry, and this might be one of his best performances ever. Oh, wow. So the name of this song is Morning Dew. Morning Dew? Yep. And again, it's going to be another live one. This is from Barton Hall at Cornell University on May 8th, 1977. Before you play it, is this one of his best, your opinion? And I think the opinion of many, you know, again, I, I was still he was I still on his A game, or was I there still something don't consider myself a deadhead, even though I love the dead as much <laughs> I do. Wow. There are people that are way more passionate about it than, than even I am. But mo- a, a lot of, first of all, a lot of uh, deadheads view this Cornell show as the best show that they ever did. Really? It's, it's from 1977, so they had, you know, a lot more work than they had than, than the earlier stuff. Um, I think they were all just kind of hitting on all cylinders. Oh, wow. And so this is, again, considered one of their, one of their very best. Okay. Morning Dew. And yeah, I've listened to 100 plus dead shows. This is definitely my favorite dead show. Oh, come but, on. Yeah. All right, then it's worth me listening to and, and, and investigating. This one's only 15 minutes, Jason. <laughs> Again, you would know it's him. Right. And you know you would know it's them. Totally. So that's just the beginning. But one thing I want to say, Jerry told Rolling Stone years ago that I think of notes as objects that have perspective. Wow. They have a front part of them and a back part of them. The attack and the release. To me, it's very visual. If I had the time, I'd go back and I'd illustrate all of my solos. So I'm going to move forward to the first solo here. That's cool. From... Morning Dew. A little bit of an attack. Sets the stage for a bigger one to come. guitar did he play he played like a variety of guitars okay in fact one of them that he um he was one of the first guys to do custom guitars so he, okay. he would have people build guitars to give him like, the tone like, that he wanted the tone, and the feel yeah, and everything okay abs- wow. absolutely right. so he wasn't like uh brand committed no like abs- a lot okay. absolutely right. not. Okay. He, he was not an off-the-shelf guy gotcha okay Those are banjo. That's a banjo feel, right? Let me go to the final kind of the release here. 
finishes up. What minute of the song are we in? 1250. <laughs> there he is. Wow. That's why they are the, like the epic quintessential jam band right yeah, there, isn't it? Totally. Absolutely. So... Some of the final reasons uh, I'm going to say why I think Jerry should be considered no less than a top 10 all-time guitarist. One, he wrote all his own songs. Unlike <laughs> I know how much you love who, that. Jason? Yes, I know. Like Unlike Elvis. Unlike Elvis. <laughs> and he, like, like you just said, he's really probably the grandfather of the jam band sound that yeah. other bands like the Almonds yeah. would do. Yeah. Fish, uh, even Dave Matthews Band for a more contemporary one, String Cheese Incident. You know, there, there's a lot of um, you know bands out there that kind of emulated you know, what, what he had done and were influenced by him. And as I mentioned earlier, he was one of the pioneers of custom guitars to help him get his desired tone. Oh, wow. Final thing I'm going to say, and this is a quote from Henry Kaiser, who's a guitarist from San Francisco who knew Jerry. Um, he said, Garcia is the most recorded guitarist in history with more than 2,200 Grateful Dead concerts, 1,000 Jerry, 1, Jerry Garcia concerts, all captured on tape, as well as numerous studio sessions. There's about There's that many concerts? There's 15,000 hours of guitar work that is going to be preserved oh, for the ages. Amazing. So extremely That's actually really impressive. Extremely prolific. Wow. And, you know. There's more than there's more of that by far than any of the recordings they ever did then, huh? I mean, by uh, far. They're, that they're, to even say that they're I mean, they're much more of a live band than anything else. And almost every single live band was recorded. Uh, oh, you had said that. That's every, right. Every single live show was recorded. Is it, somewhere yeah. like chronicled or a- or absolutely because they they encouraged it. They would have their their setup and you know, wow. people would record it right from there. All right, so, well done, well Jerry done Garcia, that. number thirty four on the RS list. And you still well, think well, that's well, underrated? Well inside the top ten in my heart, absolutely. Okay, fair enough. Mikey, can Who's I go next? Me? Go for it. All right. Uh, what I wanted to do with this is uh, before I tell you who my first pick is. I wanted to actually play a little guitar for you and accentuate a couple of things that are important to me Love specifically. It. Great. You're not going to ask me to play, right? Uh, no, because I don't have a left-handed guitar for you to play. <laughs> All right, hold on. Is that an American? Yeah. I have that same guitar, just the yeah. other way. Just the other way. Yeah, yep. that's color like and everything. directly in. Okay. All right. Here's what I wanted to do. Got the guitar. Anyone can pick up the guitar. And I'm going to pick three notes. So I'm going to pick A, C, and D. You can play them. You can bend them. Okay? I can slide to it. I can go forwards. I can go backwards. I can go forwards and back. I can play two. I can play one, two, two, one. I can I can basically do anything. I can do octaves. I have all these choices as a guitarist. And one of the things that fascinates me is these men and women have picked their style, their way of playing 
that's specific to them, which I think is a bit of their inner personality that comes out through the guitar, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So to me, to make a good guitarist, it's got to be something that is unique to them, much in the same way like a painter or a writer or a movie producer or a movie director makes something that is quintessentially theirs that someone else couldn't do. That to me is the separator. So, so as an example, as I get into my first pick, I'm going to pick A, C, and D. May I play double, double stops? Are you uh, tipping your hand as who your first person is? Yes. You know who that is? Is it Lennon? John Lennon. John Lennon to me is absolutely an underrated guitarist. So with that, I want to start with those three notes that he plays in I Want You as he sings over it, and it goes like this. Did I ever tell you this is my favorite Beatles song? Because it's phenomenal. It's absolutely phenomenal. It's It's not the best, but it's phenomenal. It's epic. This is my point. I play the same notes that he's playing. They don't sound the same. We have the same guitar. We're playing through the same amp. We have the same strings. Everything's the same, but there's something different. The attack is different. The pressure's different. The way it's, everything is unique to that person. So one, one more thing. Same notes. So it's a slide with the bend. That's all ACD. All A, C, and D. As he walks down, he goes to the to the lower octave, and then does the exact same thing, but from the, in the D position now. Same thing. All right. Second reason that he is an underrated guitarist is this song. Do you know "All My Lovin'? Of course. Okay. Yep. This is a little more chordy. So if I was gonna play "All My Lovin', I'd go. He doesn't do that. He plays triplets. So triplets are one, two, three, four, but it's one and a, two and a, three and a, four and a. Now, he doesn't have to play this, but that's just to make it more interesting and more complicated. So he goes down, up, down, down, up, down. At 156 beats per minute. I don't know if you've ever noticed it, but this is the way all my loving sounds. Close your eyes and I'll kiss you. Hear how fast it is? Oh, yeah. Now that's all him. Now, if I was to. For two and a half minutes, he's doing this. Right. Right. And singing harmonies. Absolutely incredible. Next one. One of, uh, I think, the greatest riffs of any Beatles song but any song from this era all John good to me you know she's happy and he's singing you know she said yeah. so I'm in love with 
I can't play guitar and sing at the, whole, at the same time. I'm impressed really? that you guys can do Well, I can't sing anyways, but I, mean, I can't actually physically make out the words and Such and a play. great tune. That's awesome. On the B side of this album was this. She's a woman. Great Again, tune. all John. Now, you're saying, wait a minute. I thought George was the guitar player for the Beatles. He does a lot of the leads, but all these rhythm sections are all John, and I think that that is the driver. Him and Ringo are the driver of the beat, of the groove of these songs. Are you going to mention what number, John? I am. Okay. So George Harrison is 31. Paul McCartney is 173. John Lennon is 159. So I think John Lennon is highly, highly underrated. Okay. Just, just wow. one thing on this song. So instead of playing... He's actually doing one and two and on the upstrokes. One. Which just makes it that much different. Instead of playing on the beat, he's just one tick off and creates that, that rhythm. Like, like syncopated, basically, right? Basically. Yeah. Yeah. I have to bring up, and I'm not going to play, but I have to bring up Day Tripper. I have to bring up Get Back, which is one of my favorite songs of all time. Great one. Great. But... To show you the versatility of how I think he's an underrated guitarist, I have to play this. This, again, is all John. This is Norwegian Wood. And that's George Harrison on the sitar. On the sitar. Yeah. I once had a girl, should I say? So he is my first submission into underrated guitarists because I think everybody knows him as a songwriter and as a singer and as a great frontman for this great band, but he is an absolutely underrated rhythm guitarist. That's good. I've, I've never heard him mentioned in you know the best guitarists. Really? Right. Yeah. Well, well done making a case there, Jason. That is a good case. All right, Mikey, you're up. Okay. Well, after that. I am coming at this from a way different angle than the two of you. That's great, though. Good. Because I don't know what modes are. I don't... Uh, I but heard you don't you, need to. I heard you playing there. I would not know what is difficult and what is not. I just hear... Right? I just listen and think, that sounds difficult. Shouldn't that be part of this, too, though? Shouldn't it be just right. you enjoy what someone's doing on the guitar and you to- either like it or you don't? Totally. I think so. Okay. Yeah. I right. can't play, so right. that's, that's my caveat. You can like a painting without knowing how hard it is to paint it. Sure. Okay. There you go. All right. It's fair. So, um, let me just start off, and, and this is actually not a low ranking for my first pick. Okay. But do you know the name Kirk Hammett? Yes, From I do. Metallica, Metallica. Right? Okay. Yes. Good. I, I don't think... Well, some casual listeners may not know the name Kirk Hammett, sure. right? Yeah, I, th- I don't think he's a household name, no. Right. When I Again, when I hear the, the greatest guitar players in the world, some of them you mentioned, you know, the Jeff Becks and the yep. Jimi Hendrix and the Jimmy yep. Pages, right. I don't hear his name in the same sentence as them. Never. Yet, I would consider him personally to be up there. I don't think you're wrong in saying that. And so he's ranked number 23, that's pretty good. Which, right, pretty is quite high. Now, the caveat is it's a dual position with James Hetfield, who, right, who is the, the lead singer okay, right, 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 and, right. and main writer for, for Metallica. So they are my, how do you my feel first about, How do you feel about that? Can you share a spot? 
Does that mean that one doesn't exist without the other? There were like quite a few. There were a, there few were a couple. There were a couple doubles. doubles. Yeah. So I wanted to go with this one because they just had such an impact on me. Yeah. And if I was going to pick one of my top three to five guitarists, these guys would be on there for just making an impact on my music listening life. Yeah. So what I'm going to start with is playing a song that's 40 years old. And it blows my mind that, 40 years old. that this sound <laughs> is 40 years old. Metallica 40. Wow. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. So James is the rhythm guitarist. Oh, it's such a great tone. That's that right? shredder, heavy metal tone. Now I'm gonna I'm gonna fast forward a couple times just so you can see the different okay. yeah. styles. Mine's a little heavier than yours. Yeah, that's just fine. I think it's amazing what the, the differences that you can have from the same instrument. Right. And it's similar to your jam band stuff, but heavy, right? Where the, they, they have yes. all these changes in these songs, which, yeah. I, which I love. Are any of the songs 30 minutes long? <laughs> no, seven. <laughs> these guys that, are that, seven. Se- seven. Seven's good for rock. That's true. That, that, that's long. One more. Same song. Wait, before you change, can we just leave here for a second? Yep. I want to tell you my favorite thing about Metallica, okay. and it was exactly what just happened. They go back into these almost like, it's, it's super heavy, 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 like gritty, dirty, shredder metal. Then they go into this like incredibly in melodic, like, right. like almost sometimes it's flamenco, sometimes and it's I, like And I think jazzy. that's why you have to include both of them. Oh, is that what it is? You think maybe that's part of it? Because the styles drift. It's not just... right. Pure heavy metal. It, it there's a there's melody lines that totally. are really good. Totally, I think okay. that sets them apart in metal too. Mike, what's the name of the song? It's Fade you, to Black. Fade to Black okay. from Ride the Lightning in 1984. Okay, got it. All right, so here's here's one more change up. It's almost like a different wow, song. Wow, it is. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Totally different theme. Big, big change. All right. And because Kirk Hammett is is the lead guy here, I'm going to go to his solo. <laughs> Give him a little something. Got to do the solo. He can move. He can move on that neck pretty wow. good. Wow! Gotta love the kick drums from Lars in the back, though. I was gonna say, <laughs> Lars does add to it, and so I'm I'm biased here because I think just the full sound, James's voice There's is amazing. There's four guys in that band doing all that noise. Right. How do they do that? Yeah, it's incredible. And I'll I, give you I that. I think just together. And, you know, I was mad at Lars with the whole Napster thing back in the day because right. I was in college sharing right, music. Right, right, yeah, thought, yeah, come yeah. on, these guys are millionaires. But I've gotten over it. Yeah. Lars, <laughs> Lars is amazing as well. He is, absolutely. So you could argue that maybe Black Sabbath was the 
inventor of this sound, or at least one of the pioneers. I think you're uh, correct in saying yeah. that. Yeah. But I think Metallica mastered it. Wow. Wow. Uh, so a little background on Hammond, in case you didn't know. Um, he was not the original guitarist, lead guitarist for Metallica. Okay. A guy by the name of Dave Mustaine was. Oh, yeah. And he had some substance abuse problems. They kicked him out. And he started Megadeth. There you go. Okay. Oh, I, no, I, I, I didn't I know that story. Popped up somewhere else. Okay. No way. And another, I'll just give another kind of tragic story. So um, in 1986, Metallica was touring Europe and it was either sleety or wet. They're on the tour bus. They were arguing over which, who was going to pick which bunk. And uh, they drew for it by whoever picked the Ace of Spades got the first pick. Okay. So bassist Cliff Burton won, and he took Kirk Hammett's bunk. And so they all had to get into other ones. That night, the bus slid off the road. Burton was ejected and killed. No While the other way. threes Whoa. virtually were unscathed. Oh, I never knew that story. It was, it was, like, a, it was like a Richie Valens. Yeah, it was like a Richie of. Valens. He, I mean, Hammett might not have been wow. here if... if they Whoa. didn't have that argument. Oh, no so kidding. Just wild, uh, wild story. But um, I have to go to, I think, my favorite heavy metal song of all time Ooh. after this. which You know what? There's three that come to mind. And you're, you're going to tell me this is your favorite Metallica song? And favorite heavy metal song for that matter? Yes. Because <sighs> I know you. You do know me. Oh, I knew you'd pick this one. Yes. So good. So good. I can't argue with you. I mean, the rhythm and I the... I can't believe what they do with this song, yes. I'm just going to start with this because it's a little lighter, right? Yes. This is, again, Melodic. what I mean by the melody lines. This is not a heavy metal song no. now. No, it's not. This is rock and roll. And again, Lars is so good, too. Yeah, that punch and that bit and that kick drum. But when I heard this as a kid... I thought this is as best as this is as good as it gets. This is as good as guitar gets. <laughs> I remember trying to learn this, and I was like, "This is insanely hard." So, were you listening back when we were growing up? Oh yeah. Okay. So good. All right, so I'm gonna kick it up a little. Okay. Go forward. Wait, and this is this is in Kevin's because this is like a nine minute song too, isn't it? This is. Yes. Yes, it's almost eight. Yeah. Okay. Listen to that. That's, That's still classical. Smooth. Still smooth, right? Is that Hammond playing the um, uh, the acoustic, or yeah. is that or is that half to look at? And now here's like it's like a machine <laughs> gun, which makes sense because the song is about right. war, so it right. makes total sense. Yeah, that's so here's Hammond. Unreal. And now. Yeah. This blew my mind. Yeah. How do you do that? Incredible. So I don't know if that's hard, but oh it sounds really Oh my God, you know, it, you know it is. Yeah, you no, know it definitely. is. All those syncopated, like he's with the drummer on right. each one of those. That's... Never mind, it's hard enough to do what he's doing. He yeah. has to be in time with the drummer. Right. Wow. Did you say the name of the song? 
So that is one yeah. from And Justice for All in 1986. There you go. It's phenomenal. I was eight, I, I was eight years eight. old when that came out, and I probably didn't hear it till I was 10 or 11, but I just remember thinking, yeah. this is as good as the guitar gets. I'm going right. to play one more thing. Well, two more things, actually. Okay. But right. let me just play this, because this just blew my mind when I found out recently. I knew this song, again, more in college, because this is a little deeper cut. Okay. So I'm just going to play the intro to a song called Blackened on the same record in Justice for All. Okay. Which for you bourbon fans, that's the name of their uh, bourbon. Yeah. They have their own bourbon label and they call it Blackened. Did you know that, Mikey? I didn't. And they play nonstop Metallica music in the aging warehouse at like full volume for the shaking and the vibrations of the whiskey inside of the barrels. I didn't know that. Yeah, they do. Yeah. So this is backwards. This is recorded backwards. Seriously? Yeah. Let me let me go back to the beginning real quick. Yeah. I thought they were just turning up the gain, like when I listened to this as a kid or college student. Right. But no, it's backwards recording of. Oh, that's really cool. It just has such a unique sound, right? And now that I know, I you can kind of hear it. Yeah. That's crazy. Now once Lars kicks in, it's bored. That's, that's really cool. Didn't know that that was the case. So it's funny, I found that on Instagram of all places. Huh. So it's like what you just talked about in your. Um, you oh, can and call, call me, me out, out with the baseline. When the baseline yeah. did the same thing, they, yep. except they went forward first and forward, then, and then, reversed, and then it. reversed it to yep. go back. Yep. On tape, one bar is forward, one bar is backwards. So, since Hetfield's combined in this pick, okay, he is like a two he is one. a master, right? Yeah. I mean, he he started the band. Well, he, he and Lars. And um, they both did most of the composition. He is a fantastic rhythm guitarist in his own right. And just to kind of prove that point a little bit, I'm going to play a fantastic song that is just Hetfield on the guitar. Oh, okay. And you will know it. Okay. Yeah. With some arpeggios you know what's funny? for Kevin. I, yeah. I, Love I, those arpeggios. I, I, I didn't know this was him. Still play this to this day. I love yeah. this song. It's Absolutely love song. this. So that's Hetfield doing that. Yep. Wow. Those harmonics are awesome. Again, not heavy. This is not this heavy is metal, not heavy. Up, right? No. As of now. And this was this was more popular than the earlier stuff I played, right? I mean, this charted yeah. higher. Oh, for sure. Sold more copies. And I think it was a pretty big video on yes, MTV. It right? was. Was it? I'll just wait till Lars comes in here. Yeah, his punch is always so good. They're so great, aren't they? They're so great. My favorite, again. Yeah. From what I know, guitars, this was the pinnacle for me. 23 is really good, but I would put them for sure in my top three. Top, top. Okay. Top three. Nice. Okay. 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 I, I have no uh, no reason to argue with you. I can't argue with you. That's great. Thank you. All right. And I, and I don't think I realized how much you liked Metallica. 
I don't remember you listened to it growing up, but it, it, it was. It might have been a little bit later. Like after I went one, school. one was a big deal for me when I was younger, and then I got more into it in college, where I kind of dug into their their discography a little bit. Got it, Kev. We each have gone once. Before you go again, sure. I just want to say a couple of things about the list again. Go ahead. I want to just make mention of a couple of things. Um, number, and I'm just going to say these, and I'm going to try to do it without any opinion. <laughs> I'm just going to say them. Um. Number 246 on the list was Paul Simon. If he's 246 and he is a guitar player, then how does Joni Mitchell get to nine? Uh, yeah. That, okay? That, 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 that is in, that's just one thing. That's incongruous for sure. Right? Okay. Um, Lindsey Buckingham at 110. Lindsey Buckingham at 110. That was shocking to me. As was Steve Vai at 127. Um... Ike Turner made 148. Now, I know he's a pretty good guitarist, but I didn't even think he would make the list. And if you asked me, I would have said, no, there's no way he makes the list. Okay. But he did. And maybe there's something that I don't know. Um, Robbie Robertson of the band, I think he's an unbelievable guitarist. He made 69. John Mayer was 61. Number 36, Elizabeth Cotton. Don't know who that is. Number 20, Stevie Ray Vaughan. I would think he's my top. He's in my top five for, yeah, for sure. For sure, that really that really shocked me. Um, number fifty four, Bonnie Raitt. I didn't know her as a um, as a, as a player. I, I knew that she strummed the guitar. I didn't know that she was a guitar player. Have you ever listened to her older stuff? No, she's really oh, really really good. Okay, yeah. then, now, then I stand corrected. Fifty four. 54. Pro- probably yeah, high. I would have never guessed that. But she's she's got some great blues chops for sure. Um, Johnny Marr from the Smiths was fifty six. No, I don't know much about the Smiths. We did that podcast, mm-hmm. though, and... I, I, our friend Arvin would... I would say... Our, our, you would agree with that? Well, he, he, he's certainly going to let you know it after he listens to this. <laughs> yeah. Um, Freddie King at 19, I think, is way too low. Um, Wes Montgomery at 82, I think, is way too low. Oh, sorry, I wasn't going to give um, my opinion. And... Well, there was one last one. And Steve Lukather at 186, I think, is way too low. From Toto. From Toto. The I bands agree. that he's played with, the songs that he has put his mark on... Uh, we're not going to go through it now, but I don't think he's at 186. I think he's way higher than that. All right, Kev, you're up. So I just want you to know, first of all, Elizabeth Cotton is really, really good. I don't know who she is. I've never heard of her. Way, way back old, like like 30s. Oh, yeah. really? Okay. Way back. So maybe there's some influential movement stuff that no, she again, did that 36, I don't know about. I don't know, but certainly she helped set the stage, I think, for a lot of guitar work um, You know, moving forward. I will tell you, Jason, so of the list that you just read, you read both of my other two guitarists. Okay. Yep. Okay. This is the end of part one of guitar greats that are underrated. Please continue on part two.